This is what makes men, men. We're men, right? Indeed we are, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. This is where Zachary Small is working to keep masculinity in men, in marriages, and in all fathers. The information shared here is meant to be applied. We're changing the world one man at a time. Now, let's get into the episode with Zach Small on the Family Alpha Podcast. Welcome to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast, a place where we're keeping masculinity in men, marriage, and fatherhood. Today, I am joined by Heath, a leader of men, an individual who I came across on Dad Twitter who's putting his message out there, which is continuing to grow, and someone I was really looking forward to talking to because the message of giving your children more presence, as in you, as opposed to presence and things you can buy, as well as setting the example because they're going to follow your actions and not just the words you espouse. Heath is doing that. He is living that. Married for over two decades. Again, leader of men through nonprofits as well as through his church groups. He's raising teens. He's doing all the things we're talking about. I really want to get him on here because more people need to hear the message. Heath, welcome to the show. I am uh, so privileged to be on here. Looking forward to talking to you, Zach, and also being able to inspire guys to want to become the greatest husbands, fathers, and sons in their generation. Not compared to another guy, not competing against another guy, but reaching their potential of being that great husband and father. And that's what it's all about, you know, passing the knowledge on. That's why we're having this conversation for those who are listening, not just to listen, but to apply in their lives. So before we dive down that rabbit hole, you know, you're probably a new name to many of the men listening. So what did I not cover? What brought you to this space? And why did you go from leading your family and living this life to wanting to share it with others? Well, I came to Twitter, a mutual friend of ours uh, kind of introduced me to it. And he said, hey, here's a way to connect with lots of people to get your message out about, you know, inspiring and uh, motivating guys to want to lead their families well. And um, yeah, I've been doing it for over two decades. I've literally led thousands, thousands of guys face to face. I've taken guys on adventures, climbed mountains, had small groups, campfires, um, I have mentored guys in their 20s through their 70s. Um, I, I do one-on-one counseling. I do coaching. But I just love to see guys get it, get it where they realize if they don't lead the family, somebody else is going to lead their family and probably not with their values. Yeah, we have to give a shout-out to Reeves because that is the mutual friend who brought him on here. So check out at Reeves Writer. Maybe I'll drop a link to his stuff down there below because yeah. you should be reading his content as well. So you came on to Twitter. You wanted to share the lessons learned. So that's over 20 years of leading men. That's over 20 years of marriage, raising teens. You have a lot of experience under your belt. With that, what have the trends been? You know, what what are the things that you're seeing from, I mean, 25 years of working with men. I'm assuming from year one, you know, you are learning a little bit, figuring your way. But to year 25, had the same issues just remained across that board? Or with the times changing with just society at large, have the issues men are facing also changed? It has uh, definitely changed over the last uh, two decades. I would say the main reason is, uh, or the main thing is the feminization of men. That guys don't know how to balance gentleness with confidence or tenderness with being the strong guy. And so literally through the culture, guys are getting criticized continually and they're, un- they're just unsure. They're unsure with their wife. They're unsure what to do. 
And so the go-to is passivity. I see more and more guys get into the hole, getting into a cave and just staying there instead of using their, their boldness, their God-given courage, their testosterone to make a difference. You know, one of my main themes that I've been trying to encourage guys to do is to see themselves as a servant husband. I mean, that they are the influencer. If it, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, if it is to be, if it is to happen, it's up to me. And so I've seen that one, the whole passivity is really just washed over so many guys. Um, even in the church world, the number one reason why people go to church today is where their kids want to go. 20 years ago, the study showed it was where the dad wanted to go. And literally now parents are so afraid that their kids might not go to church that they go where the kids want to go. So guys have even take, even given up their authority as far as leading their family, you know, in a faith fellowship. So I've seen that. Um, I've seen the continual trend of um, pornography, lust, take over the guys, um, where they literally are just allowing their sexual urges to dominate them. I mean, there's stories all over the country. They've been, you know, it's been going on since biblical days where guys have allowed their, their lust, their urges to destroy their spouse, destroy their kids. So I've seen that. Uh, another thing that I've seen with, with um, fathers is, uh, although I think, I think it's actually gotten better as far as their presence. I think that has, actually has been a good thing because I think of all the messages you know, Ed Cole, Ed Cole is considered the, the founder of the modern day men's movement. He was the guy in the 1980s that kind of led guys, you know, manhood equals responsibility. And that's what Ed kind of talked about all the time. And so his message, Steve Farrar, the promise keepers, kind of these strong men over time have helped guys realize, man, if I want to change the world, I got to change my living room, right? If I want, if I want to impact nations, I got to impact the bedroom. By tucking my kid in, having conversations, you know, again, the, Zach, I know you talk about this, you know, the days of just going motorcycle riding, going hunting, et cetera, those are just tools, tools so that you can get into your son's life or you can get into your daughter's life. You know, again, I grew up, I'm a big motorcycle guy and all of my uncles and cousins, you know, we just talked about, you know, the next buck we were going to shoot, the next 650 Yamaha we wanted. But no, I mean, we've been challenged now, and I challenge guys, those are just tools so you can get into the heart of your son, so that you can connect with your daughter, so that they want to open up to you, so that, you know, you know, rule, rules without relationship equal rebellion. And, you know, I tell guys all the time, if you want to impact your kid, you got to have the relationship. So you got to do the campfires and the fishing and so forth. And then when you talk to them about structure, especially when these guys are listening, when their kids become teenagers, if you don't have that relationship there's a natural dissonance that happens with teenagers you know adolescents naturally push back on authority but if you got that relationship and it's been cascading from ages five and eight and ten that thing when they become teenagers they're going to be much more responsive to you as a dad because they know you care about them you have that relationship and so then when you got to correct when you got to give them direction they're going to you know more respond to that so I, those are some of the key trends that I've seen like over the last 20 years. And in and, and that little one, one and a half, two minute snippet, there are probably 15 separate podcasts we could dive into individually. Yeah. That, that was an excellent amount of info because it gives us quite a bit to look at and where we're going to start and go with this, you know, and to begin with, you know, there, there's sort of two, two paths I want to go down. You know, the main one, you said that men don't know, you know, they, they don't know what to do or they don't know how to 
how to lead the situation. So they fall to a, a position of passivity of not knowing. And I have to ask, well, why did, did men know when you first started out and now they don't know? And if they don't know what happened, wh- where did the disconnect, where did the lesson stop being passed down for these men to know how to lead the family, to know how to lead themselves, not lose themselves to the consumption of, let's say modern comforts. Mm-hmm. Where, when did that happen? And how do we, if we can hone in on that, we can say, hey, this is where things went wrong. So let's go back a little bit earlier and go back to that because that was working very well. Yeah. So, you know, dads, dads and sons used to farm together. Then the industrial revolution took dads out of the home. And now this phone is like industrial revolution part two. This thing right here now is taking sons even farther away from their, from the mentorship, from their father. And so I just believe, again, decades ago, and not romanticizing the past, but just re- reality is sons used to do stuff with dad, used to do stuff with grandpa, used to do stuff with uncle. And by being around their older cousins and uncles, it would literally rub off of how to treat your wife. It would rub off that you don't eat first. It would rub off that you clean up. So that would just happen. And now because dads uh, are more maybe disconnected or not rather than son, sons right now, they're being mentored by other 15 year olds, other 10 year olds, I mean their own generation. And so to get back to what needs to happen is um, fathers have to be intentional to put themselves in that same circle with their son. Or like for me, um, again, I'm a youth pastor at my local church and I just invite like my son and I, we go disc golfing. And when I go disc golfing, I always invite some other boys with me. Hey, why don't you guys come and play disc golf? And some of them have never even played before. I say, hey, don't worry about it. Throw it as far as you can. I just want them to see me interacting with my son. I want them just to be around. I mean, growing up, my dad never, never went by himself to the mechanic shop, you know, or to get some oil or say, Heath, let's go. And I didn't want to go sometimes, but he's like, hey, let's go. He wanted me to, he knew if I was around him, I was going to grow up. I was going to mature. I mean, I remember the first time um, I went to a gas station and my dad gave me money to pay for the gas. And I came back and the lady gave me like an extra $2. And I remember coming back and like, dad, I got an extra $2. He said, that's not your money. You shouldn't got any money back. Go back in there and give it to her. He just told me right there, stealing is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And I just have so many little stories of that, of my dad, my grandpa, you know, some of my other um, people I looked up to. That just helped me learn what it become a man. And so I just think um, dads, yeah, mentor your son, interact with your own son, your own kids, but pull these other boys in your community, in your neighborhood to be with you. You can either invite them over for dinner, go golfing, you know, shooting, whatever your hobbies are, invite them to come. First of all, your son will love it. Yeah, he'll, he'll love it because why? He gets to be around you, right? And you know, hey, this is my dad. You know, again, whether you work out, whether you're great in business or whatever, he'll be like, man, that's my dad. And so I just think us being around as many guys as possible. So, I mean, anyways, those are some of my thoughts. Hopefully I answer that question. No, no, th- those are great thoughts. And that's exactly, I'm 100% in line with you. You know, the angle I've taken has been youth sports. Yeah. So that's how I'm getting involved. I'm looking to bring even more to the community we just moved to, you know, getting some more things that bring the boys together. And my focus has always been around sports. Uh, mm-hmm. very team dynamic you can get a lot together kind of one one mission for all of us to get to so that's worked out but I, I i completely agree with you in that wherever i go i bring my kids my son and my daughter 
everywhere we go, I'm bringing them with me. And they're seeing how we interact, you know, and the same thing with my wife and, and both, you know, she brings the daughter mostly, but my son will go with her as well to yeah. learn those lessons. And I think right now is a great moment for us to remind those who are listening or watching, you know, bring your kids with you, make a reason to bring them with you. Even if you're just going to the store, like you said, that's a oh, great yeah. moment, a little lesson. And all it was was a trip to the gas station, yep. you know, but that you just told that story how many years later, because it stood out, you know, so we don't realize how big these small moments can really mean. So I, I, you know, spot on, hit the nail on the head. You know, you said something else that stood out to me. This is the family alpha podcast, yeah. alpha mindset, focus, leader, yeah. all this. And you said servitude. How can you serve your wife? How can you serve your children? How can you serve your community? How do you balance those who are placating to those who are serving? Where's the difference there between deferring to the wife and serving the wife? Because I've seen you use this before on Twitter. And I, I, I wanted to know, but I'm sure there are others who are, oh, he said serve his wife. He's being a nice guy. And I don't think that's the, the way you're using it. So let me just say, my uh, father-in-law, my wife's dad is a former NFL player. He played for the Chicago Bulls. I'm sorry, Chicago Bears. Middle linebacker, massive guy. And he's one of the most gentle men I have ever met. And um, he went, again, he was in the NFL, got injured, got out. He became a dentist. And I've literally, again, when I was growing up, when we finished with dinner, my mom and my sisters, they would always take care of the dishes, et cetera. My dad and I, we'd go watch the game. That's kind of how I grew up. When I started dating my wife, Elisa, her dad, when mealtime was over, I saw that he would grab the dishes. He would put it in the dishwasher. And then I would just see the way he interacted. Like he worked all day as a dentist, very difficult, tedious job. And then he was like at home still serving. Again, this is a massive guy, very wealthy guy. And I remember just asking him, hey, can I just ask, uh, you know, why, why do you like do all this? Why do you do all this extra stuff? And he told me a common axiom. He's like, well, I have a couple jobs. I have my job from eight to five. And then I have my job from five to 10. And my five to 10 is where I'm coming to serve my wife, to serve my his three daughters, to serve my daughters. I wanted to give them an example of what it means to not lead as far as from the front, but where you are serving, influencing them and helping grow them. He still disciplines. He still gives words of correction, but instead of any kind of fear, he controls his emotions to have conversation. I remember him telling me, you know, instead of confrontation, he'd always think of compassion. How can I woo the hearts of my daughters? And I can tell you 20 years later, his daughters love him. I mean, um, they are, he is still their hero. So when I talk about serving your, serving your wife, um, I believe as a man, we give strategic direction. You know, here's where we're going. Here's what we need to focus on. Here's what we need to do as far as planning stuff. I mean, the people plan different ways, but I'm kind of the planner in my family. Um, I kind of bring the correction to our kids. My wife is more empathetic, you know, more compassionate, like most ladies. So I bring kind of the structure. But instead of the idea of that she's here to serve me, I think some guys think I'm on the couch, I'm on the chair, she's bringing my coffee, the whole queen king thing of them coming and serving this way. I believe when we serve each other in our strengths and abilities, it's a beautiful dance where there is such a harmony, such a beauty in marriage that ladies want to respond to us even more. Again, they love our leadership. They love that we're going to make them, you know, uh, making money. We're going to, uh, you know, take our kids on adventures. You know, we're going to run a Spartan race with our son. 
we're getting ready to do this, but we are there to help their life also be prosperous. Pretty much my wife, you know, she homeschooled, we homeschool our children. And so she is always feeling the weight. She's always feeling the, feeling the burden that her kids aren't learning enough, even though they're all eight students, 97% in the SAT. She feels like they're not getting it. They're struggling with this. So she already had this burden. So when I get home at night, I'm coming there to relieve stress. Now she does the same thing to me. I mean, the Bible says he refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So I just think it's continually, again, it's the whole thing of eating first. I don't ever eat first. I want my kids to eat first. I, I, I made the money, we bought the food, but I want them to eat first. Now they could say, well, dad, you go and, no, I want you guys to eat. I wanna make sure you're taken care of first because I'll make sure I'm taken care of, but I wanna serve them in that way. So those are my thoughts as far as being a servant husband, even, you know, even a servant father, servant father, what can I do to help my kids? And of course, serving sometimes with your, your kids is disciplining them, making them do the, the crappy stuff, making them do the things that they don't want to do. Cause I have a, I have a, I have a five, 10 year vision for them. Anyway, those are my thoughts about being a servant husband. You know, it's good. And it, it there, there's a, there's a duality here that I, I can't really bring mm -hmm. together. Maybe we can, you know, so I, I've dealt with too many of the men who try to self-sacrifice their way to happiness oh, yeah. that find themselves not taken advantage of, but they literally just put everyone ahead of themselves to the yep. point where they lose themselves. And so when some men who are prone to that, and I don't, I hate the term nice guy because it's mm -hmm. just used so frequently, but these men, they're doing what they, they're doing what they think, you know, you're saying to do. I bust my ass at work. I come home. I take care of the house. I do this, but then they're resentful. Spite starts to build because they don't, you said, your wife supports you and she does the same. Yeah, same. It has to be, it has to go both ways. And I think that's where they're missing. Oh, yes. So these it, men, it, it, I it, think they hear servitude, but their wife's not getting the message. They're not on the same page here. So then it, it almost becomes a negative by continuing to double down on the service. Oh, yeah. So have you come across that where men are like, hey, I oh. did what you said and it's not working? Absolutely. So it's nuance. You know, in almost everything in life, it's always people, nuance. Go, <laughs> people go in one ditch or the other. They go in one ditch or the other. It's so, like, yeah, guys that I've talked to, I mean, um, one guy I talked to, he was serving his wife and his wife was not serving him sexually. And he told me, he said, Hey, I have not been touched intimately in two years. My wife has not touched me intimately in two years. I said, all right, we got to do a stop gap. Uh, we got to have a meeting. My wife, my, me and my wife are going to meet with you and your, you know, your wife. And of course his wife was a resistant, you know, people are, you know, shy about that and embarrassed about it. But yet he was serving to the point that he was like dying. He was dying inside. And so, yeah, any guy, if you are serving and you're not having that reciprocated back to you, uh, you need to put an end to that. And so how you put an end to it is you bring it right up to your wife. And again, you share, you know, again, it's not accusatory. It's not pointing the finger. It's literally saying, hey, honey, I'm, I'm kind of feeling this way in our relationship with whatever angle it is. And I've been feeling this way for a while and I'm tired of trying to deal with it on the inside. And so I want to throw it out here. And can we go and discuss whatever aspect of the relationship you need to discuss? And that should just be normal. I mean, my wife and I, we bring stuff up, you know, if, if she feels like I'm getting distracted or I feel like she's focusing too much on the kids or whatever. I mean, we're, in a, this is a marriage. We're, we're a marriage here. We're a team. We got our strengths. We got our own abilities, but we just bring this stuff up because uh, we don't, I mean, my wife and I, we don't argue. Okay, we, we don't ever allow things to get heated. We don't ever raise our voice. We just bring stuff up. Because again, it takes about 24 hours 
for your relationship with your wife to get stale. You can have an incredible day with them. And then the next day, if you're not doing some touch points, there can be a separation there between the husband and the wife. And so I just encourage you guys, oh yeah, don't, if you're serving, uh, you're going to get bitter and it's probably going to lead to divorce. Same thing with her. If she only feels she's the one that's giving, then she might get to a divorce. And I've seen too many divorces. Um, I recently had a, uh, man, I literally just Sunday. I, uh, this is an older friend. He wanted to have lunch with me and his wife is divorcing him right now. And the reason, um, he, uh, he got too much into running the business. He's a massive entrepreneur, spent all this time, and he thought the marriage was okay. He never checked in, never checked in with the marriage. And um, she said, I'm done. And so now he wants her. He wants her back, and she's done. It's too late. Yeah. And he, you know, he can't believe it. that he. So, yeah, it's nuanced, but, yeah, don't be the, it's, uh, you know, the guy that was making all the, the kind of the shoe, the shoe builder, making all the shoes for everybody else. This whole family is falling apart with their shoes. So yeah, again, I just um, you know I am I'm very direct, you know alpha. I'm not that way, so I don't allow any ripples, any waves um, to happen in the family. Which means when I see a wave, I just attack that thing. And my wife loves that. I mean, she loves that I'm able to lead that way. So I encourage any guy, yeah, to go in and attack that thing. Don't allow that thing to fester. Yeah, and when it comes to the nuance, semantics, you know all that. When yeah. I use the term alpha, people are like, oh, you think you're Mr. Macho. I'm like, no, you know, sometimes I have to ask for help. I'll be like, hey, Heath, you know more about this than me. Can you help me with this? Well, that's beta leaning onto another man. No, again, back to that mindset. The the yeah. goal is to have a good life, not to appear like you have a good life. Oh, yeah. The goal, you know, I recently shared the goal is to be a tough guy. It's mm -hmm. to be a man who's physically capable of, you know, inflicting violence or defending the home if necessary. It's yeah. not to walk around in posture. I don't care what you think of me. What am I actually able to do? And that's where we should all be focused is on the reality in the real life, not social perception. And that's mm -hmm. something, you know, we can get to. You said something there about divorce that was interesting yeah. to me. Coming from the, the religious side of the house, for many men, divorce is off the table. They, mm -hmm. they don't even, it's not even an option. And that rubs me the wrong way because if someone is not meeting you, if they will refuse to meet you at the middle to take the family where it is you're trying to go, which is, I would hope, a better place what choice do they have and i was wondering where you stood on this you know considering your background and just the the interactions you've had with men in the church group yeah is divorce is that an option is that something that you would hey you're doing the work you're doing the right things your woman will not meet you at that point do you say yes maybe that is something to consider or is it off the table for you and you're like well no man you got to stay together this is for life see i i always feel there is a way if the guys will be well, able to walk in humility. And, uh, you know, for me, that's the biggest struggle for guys is, you know, you mentioned about asking for help for guys to admit their struggles, their weakness, their failures. And so the, the people that I've worked with over the last several years, humility is a rare breed. It is a rare trait. And um, either they don't want to go to counseling or they don't want to change what they actually could change. I mean, that, uh, the, 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 I didn't finish the story about the guy that hadn't been touched intimately in a couple of years. Uh, that improved. Okay, that improved because what, what we did there is the, the woman, we got some older women around her and they pretty much uh, confronted her. You know, when you married, uh, you said, yes, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you sexually, whether you're feeling it or not. 
And so she needed some women to go ahead and show her the way. So that improved quite a bit. But yeah, for me, divorce, uh, I believe God hates divorce. Um, I hate divorce. You know, I've had a number of friends that they grew up in divorced homes. I mean, I had one friend, he was glad his parents got divorced because they were fighting all the time. Things were getting thrown around the house, but he knows the heart of God. And, you know, that's not God's ideal. But of course, there's many things that us humans do that's not the ideal. And so uh, I want to help people as much as they want to be helped when it comes to their marriage. And so I believe that there can be a way to, um, to resolve that. But if, um, but I, I've also been around people that the spouse said, I'm done. They divorce them and they got remarried. And when the, of course, when the other, when the spouse gets remarried, that's like the final acts. There's nothing mm -hmm. else you can do. And so, yeah, my ideal is people don't get divorced. We work it out, we work it out, not just for them, but to help because I am a youth pastor. I work with lots of teenagers that come from divorced families and you know, the far majority of them, it affects the kids for years and years and years. And some are glad that's a very small percentage. So that's where I kind of land on divorce. There's uh, one of the men in FOE, a uh, big shout out to him. His name is Josh Clare. He's helped me a lot. He's an awesome dude. Leads a lot of fatherhood discussions in our group. And he says, you know, outside of literal physical abuse, divorce is the most uh, negative thing that could impact a child. He, he says it much better than that. That was a little clunky. Yeah. But basically, it's the worst thing you can do to your kid is uh, shattering the family. And, and I'm with you on that, you know, completely. You know, there's a lot of steps that can be taken. I do not default yeah. to divorce, but I'm also in the camp that if you've done everything you can do, some people aren't the right fit. And and oftentimes, and I wonder if this is the case for you, mm -hmm. you know, when I was dating Jackie, I was me. Like when I joined the Navy, I became the man you see right now. That 19-year-old and me are almost literally the same minus life experiences. You know, when I boot camp made my brain click to, you know, focus and go get it. And that's who we were before we were married. A lot of these men, they marry in a, a different man. They, they almost evolve and find themselves and find out who they want to be and what they want to be. And you see these men who were obese and insecure getting married, and then they lose the weight. They find the confidence. They're ready to go. And now their wife's like, I don't like this version. I don't want to be with this version. You're you're asking too much of me now. Mm -hmm. When you started dating your wife, are were you the Heath you are now? Or did you go through a transformation in your marriage? No, I, I pretty much... Uh, it was, it, was who I am. Um, so. same, yeah, same, <laughs> uh, same strength, same posture. So I was bent this way. And so my wife, she was attracted to this. I mean, this is what she wanted. She's more of a calmer person, you know, moldable. And so she wanted a guy to lead her. And that's what she, you know, still, she still wants that. She loves when I lead. She hates if I'm, if I'm ever quiet. She does not like when I'm quiet and all that. She wanted, what are you thinking? So yeah, she, and I, I agree. Guys that change or guys that get married maybe too young, or they haven't figured out yet who they are going to become, it is definitely more of a challenge. And of course, the same thing with ladies. If you, uh, you marry a woman that's too young and she hasn't found her path yet to go, it's definitely more challenges. You know, something else you mentioned was continuing to date your wife. I think oh, you yeah. said in 24 hours it goes stale. That's an incredible oh, yeah. quote. Make sure you tweet that. If not, I'm going to oh, tweet yeah. it, but I'll give you a shout out because that's a oh, good yeah. one, man. <laughs> so you've been, you married 23 years? 23 years. All right. 23 years together and you're still dating. This is something that is 100% I could not endorse anymore. This is literally mm -hmm. how I live my life. I see you living it yep. this way. I'm behind you at 23 years. We got married yep. in 2008. So we're at 13. So I'm not going to yep. catch you, you know, yep. but I'm going to keep trying to live like that because I, I love to see it. Mm -hmm. How have you managed this? How have you kept that passion alive? And I, I'm asking almost in the literal 
practical advice we could offer men who are listening right now? What little tips and tricks are you doing? And obviously, it's unique to the marriage. What your old lady likes, some other lady might not like. Yep. But how are you doing it and keeping that mindset with your girl? Okay. First thing, uh, my grandparents married 75 years. My parents, 55 years. That's awesome. Us, 23 years. Um, my whole fifth family history, my side and my, my dad's side and my mom's side. There's never been, as far as them, not one divorce. Not one divorce. Now, in modern day, some of their kids got divorced. But for my grandparents before, like all the Ancestry.com, there hasn't been like one divorce. So first thing is heritage. Heritage has been passed down. Another thing, I mentioned my wife's father. Um, I literally feel like I'm a steward of his daughter. The way that he trained her, loved her, cared for her, I really feel like he gave me the baton. And he's like, pretty much take care of her, lead her, love this her. This is your wife's father? My wife's father. And so he's just amazing. And so I tell him all the time, hey, thank you so much for loving your daughter and the way you did and the way you are. I mean, she has such a peace and security because of what he did all those years growing up. So that's the first part is um, all of you dads, the way that you love your daughters, your wife, like you are getting your future sons-in-laws ready. You're going to give them the biggest gift ever if you are a present in your daughter's life. I mean, if you encourage her, build her up, when you say a harsh word, you go apologize to her, your future son-in-law is going to be like, man, thank you so much for being the dad that I never heard about. So that, that's the first thing is that perspective because I'm championing me so much. Uh, as far as the dating, uh, specifically practically, so my wife and I, we go out at least once a week. And we usually go Friday or Saturday night. Um, even when our kids were, you know, babies, toddler, we would have a babysitter come over. Like from the very beginning, we've always gone out. And then uh, another date is literally almost every night I get home, I come inside the house, then I go right to my wife, uh, give her a kiss, um, interact with her quickly. Then I go around, say hi to all the kids. And then we go for a walk. We immediately go for a walk outside just 10 or 15 minute walk. Again, that's another touch point, another connect point that we um, do together. Uh, another thing with dating, I'm big in um, creativity. Um, it's called romance, but I'm big in creativity. In the same way that I plan my business, same way that we plan our finances, I plan romance. And so I know what my wife loves. She loves flowers. And so when we go to parks or areas, I, I know where the flowers are, whether they're wildflowers, you know, even little dandelions. She just loves flowers. So doing that, I sometimes set up bigger stuff. Um, again, I don't do a, a yearly anniversary. I do every month, every single month on the 8th. We got married May 8th, 1999. We celebrate it every single month. I got the idea from somebody when we first got married. I'm like, man, I want to do that. I want to be somebody that's creative. Um, during our date time is usually dream time. It's not agenda. We try not to talk about this coming up, we kind of do our planning every Sunday afternoon. It's kind of a calendar. We talk about the calendar, but daytime is where we reminisce, talk about a future vacation, talk about what she's doing with her life, you know, her girlfriends, talking about something, you know, just fun stuff where we laugh, talk about stuff. You know, my wife loves this website called Babylon B. So she reads me some of the latest headlines. There's jokes. She loves to do that. But we are literally like teenagers again, trying to just keep it fresh. Because that quote, I do believe your marriage can be tight and awesome, 
and then immediately the separation can begin. And so the weekly date is unpowerful. Again, I encourage you guys to try to be romantic. So don't just do the same thing you do every time. You know, if it's movie, if it's a restaurant, if it's just going to the same park, if it's just doing whatever. I mean, our last, uh, our anniversary was like about a week ago. And uh, I took her to the park. I went to Walmart, bought some bubbles, and we just blew some bubbles. And I knew she would laugh about it, but just a cool little memory, just a fun little thing. Um, and then during that time, I always have a time of, um, you know, complimenting her, speaking blessings over her. Um, uh, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, just bragging, trying to just brag, build her up. Sometimes there's tearful times, you know, she's sharing some stresses, but it's literally what we did when we were dating. You know, we were dating, when we were like 21, 22. And I just learned from all the other successful couples, all the other people that have made it the long haul is they make this weekly time. But then we, we try to do what's called the, the seven, 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 seven. Every seven days we go on a date. Every seven weeks we go on an overnight, then an overnight kind of a weekend. And then um, every seven years, kind of a big, kind of a big, big event. And so I took her to Aruba, took her to Aruba for the last kind of seven years. But just have a strategy, have a strategy and you can be creative. I want to encourage all guys. You can all be creative if you'll pause, get out a notepad, put a calendar, think about some of your high points that you've had in your, your, you know, your 20 years of marriage or 10 years, bring those things back. It doesn't have to be new things. You can just bring back the old things. Like if your wife like, likes chocolate, go to a candy store, some candy store, like they make the chocolate right there in front of you. Your wife would love that. You know, um, you know, you go to Starbucks, you tell her to sit down, you order the coffee and then tell the barista instead of them saying, um, you know, your wife's name, maybe you have like a little nickname, you know, it's okay for them to share that. You know, they say, Hey, sunshine, sunshine, you know, just little fun stuff. Anybody can be creative if you're willing to think or steal ideas, <laughs> just go steal other people what they're doing and incorporating your marriage. You know, and that's the beauty of it. And that's one of the biggest strengths of social media is, I mean, even with dad Twitter, you see the guys swapping notes and exchanging information, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. it, she doesn't need to, my wife, her name is Jackie. Jackie yeah. doesn't need to know that Heath gave me this great idea and I applied it. I'm just gonna go sure. apply it because I'm like, hey, that worked for Heath. That's a great idea. Let me try it. I apply it. She's like, oh, Zach, you're awesome. You're yeah, right. You know, and that's I see that working across the board for parenting. There's absolutely no reason that it wouldn't for marriage. I, I mean, I really dig that 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 entire breakdown because that is how I live, mm -hmm. and I try to stress the exact same. So to hear it from somebody else, it makes me feel a little less crazy. You know, the day to day, the flirting, you know, I, I really like how you said it takes, you know, 24 hours and the marriage can go stale. That's all it takes. One day of you just taking your foot off the gas and all of a sudden it's been a week. It's been a month. Yep. You know, every day in my head, it's uh, the third date. You know, we're on our second date. How do we get the third date? You yeah. know, it's not the first. We're getting to know each other. You already know your wife. You know a yeah. lot about your wife. You've been together a long time. You're on the second date. The second one, how do you get to the third well, you don't want to act like Peter Griffin or Homer Simpson. You know, you don't do these unattractive. You do your best to not, you're not going to be perfect, but you do mm -hmm. your best to not fall into that routine. Love you know, it. and I see that keeping the attraction, the energy, the fun. And, you know, guys, they'll laugh because there's this, again, uh, in the manosphere, in the red pill space, in a lot of the men's dating arenas, and even with the pickup guys, there's this big focus on, you know, this, this machismo. You got to do these really hard man things. Confident, secure, masculine men do those things. They give off that presence. They don't have to go take these actions. And so I, I've almost become the counter, you know, to those guys. I'm not going to the range to shoot guns, grow a beer, drink whiskey, and you know, do whatever. Yeah. Look, 
will go laughter. That is one of the biggest metrics in a relationship. Do you laugh with your woman? Mm -hmm. Do you have a good time? Do you do things that are fun? You know, my kids, they, I basically took today off social media and work. You know, I was hanging out. This is the only thing I'm really doing today. It's a Friday. Yeah. My, my daughter had this a little event at school. So before that, my wife and I, we were laughing the entire day. Mm -hmm. We were going, we were playing with the dogs in the backyard. We were standing on the dock and throwing sticks at the water. We were, it, you might as well have seen two 15 year old kids, you know, walking around dating on their first date. That, that's basically oh, yeah. what we were doing. We had a great time. We were laughing the whole time. And during it, I was like, man, like, this is cool. You know, and then like, of course, we had our festivities, you know, in the house with no kids around like that was great, too. Yeah, yeah. But the whole thing is we just enjoyed each other's company. We just yep. had a good time. And so when I hear you saying that this isn't something that's for the girl that you're dating. This is for a wife for you of two decades. For me, you know, closing in on two decades. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is can be sustained for life as long as you're not taking it too serious. As long as you don't become, you know, Mr. Routine, yep. you know, and there's something to spontaneity. To even wear, like you said, the 777, she knows about that. And still, you can mix it up. You mm -hmm. can still have a good time and you know, turn that around. And that is something that I think a lot of men have lost. They fall into this routine. All of a sudden, they're stuck in their phone and scrolling. And they forget there's a girl right next to them they could be talking to. Oh, yeah. And that, that somewhat leads to you know one of the points I wanted to ask. What or how are you finding a way to take the, the old school lessons and apply them to this modern world with modern issues. Because it seems like we need what was working in the past to come back, but in a little bit of a, a, a different way to fit in the world with cell phones, to fit in the world with social media, to fit in the world with you know technology galore and now COVID. So how are you finding a way to take what you know works, now you're gonna fit that square into the, the square of 2021? Yeah. Well, I'll say first, like with my, my kids. So right now I have three teenagers. And I am very careful of the discipleship or the mentorship that they're getting from anybody. Uh, I am a protector. I'm, I'm a guardian of their hearts. I'm a guardian of their, their futures. And I take it very seriously. So for like social media, my wife and I, we don't allow any of our kids to have social media till age 18. And so my son, he's 18. He, uh, he was fine with it. And again, we had them read articles. We had them uh, watch videos. Again, rules without relationship, equal rebellion. So they had totally bought into it. Like they understood why. And so my son got it at age 18 and he kept it for about three weeks and he actually got rid of it. He's like, this is a waste <laughs> of my time. Because all he was doing was scrolling. He was just consuming. And of course, we talked to him about producing, creating. He wasn't ready for that. And so, yeah, whenever it comes to any kind of new stuff, the new technology, my wife and I were like, and how is this going to benefit? And so again, when it came to Twitter, that's why I got on Twitter. Like, oh, this could actually benefit people. I actually want to help people through this medium. So that's the one thing with, um, with technology. I mean, my kids, we have never watched a TV series together. I tell other people this, like we've never watched any TV series. Like, you know, I know about Yellowstone, people watch Yellowstone. But like my kids and I, my wife and I, we just want to play board games. We uh, we have a, we have a couple four wheelers. We go do that. Uh, we go on walks. We go play frisbee at the park. Uh, we have a couple kayaks. We we go on the lake and do that. We just decided that's what we want for our family. And so my kids, um, they you know they they know about all the shows, but we've told them why, and they've never asked. Hey, can we please watch 
whatever. They they've just never they've never done that. And so we so when new stuff's coming in, again, we family time, family time. You know, I, I think about the family specifically with the with the old school disciplines. Our family is like a harbor. And so with our kids, we have them in the harbor for around 18 years. And it's like a ship. That ship is getting worked on. It's getting strengthened because it's designed to go to the ocean. And so we want our kids, when they go out to that ocean, to be strong, to be able to maintain all the waves. Now, of course, they're experiencing waves throughout their you know, tween years, teenage years. But we want to keep them as strong as possible so that when they go out, they're able to make a mark. They're able to make a difference compared to being impacted, compared to peer pressure hitting them. Uh, another thing, when it comes to the old school stuff, so my son, when he was uh, 13 years old, um, I created a program called The Year of Becoming a Man. And so it's a 12-month program, uh, monthly theme, activities, books to read, uh, quotes to memorize. So I had my son go through that from my age of 13 to 14 for those 12 months. We kind of had an opening ceremony, closing ceremony. I took about a big adventure. And what was cool about that year, about three years later, um, I was in the small group and the speaker had everybody go around and say, hey, when did you know that you were a man? Like what part of your life, what point in your life did you know you're a man? And it was just cool. My son said, uh, well, my dad took me through this program called the year of becoming a man. And that's kind of when I knew I was a man. So I just, like I mentioned before, Guys used to know that they were a man by working with dad on the farm, killing their first buck, you know, doing this. And so I created that program so my son would have a, de a definitive point in his life that he'd be able to look back. Because, again, when I was growing up, you know, some of my friends thought they were a man, you know, when they, when they had a woman, you know, or the first time they got drunk or, you know, all these stupid stuff. That's what they thought it was. And so that's how I've kind of brought that into the, into the modern day by creating that program. Anyway, those are some of the things I've done to bring the old school ways into modern modernity. You know, and with that, it, it made me think of Third One DTM. So Third One Days to Masculinity, one yeah. month program. To see these types of resources coming around, it's a response, not a reaction to what's going on, but a, a masculine, a dominant male response. This is what's happening. I don't like the trend it's setting. Instead of talking about the problem and complaining, here's a solution. There it is. Yeah. So Heath. What other solutions do you have coming down the pipeline? Because I, I feel like I've just scratched the surface. So, A, th there's an open invitation to get you back on here. I know we're going to have you on Oak and Rock Fatherhood. Anthony and I are yeah. going to break it down there with, with specifically fatherhood and parenting as opposed yeah. to this more broad life look. But I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the next discussion as you continue to grow. But what do you have coming down the pipeline that you're able to share with those who are tuning in and that are going to be following? What can they expect? Yeah. Well, my uh, first product is coming out here in January. It's going to be uh, the greatest Valentine week in your spouse's life. And it's a whole week to create a legendary, epic week to wow your wife or your girlfriend. It can be used for either one. So that's my first one that's coming. A little bit later in the spring, the whole year of becoming a man is going to be available for uh, guys to go through with their son. It's designed for guys to take their son through from ages like 10, 10 to 15. So between that time, we'll for guys to take their um, sons through. Uh, the other product is uh, epic, legendary bachelor parties. Now, these aren't the bachelor parties people think about. That's full of 
I just had a whole tweet about how I don't understand strip clubs and I'm like totally against them because they're pointless. So I'm, I'm, this is relevant. I'm listening. Yeah. So th these are going to be, um, again, a lot of guys that go to bachelor parties, it's all the same ones or they're boring ones. And so I have created, I've, I've been to a bunch of bachelor parties that I kind of created for guys to do. And so there's gonna be about eight of them, eight of them that guys could uh, choose which one. And of course, modify, adapt it to their specific, because when you're a best man, you know, you're supposed to create the bachelor party and people usually go to the bar or the club. So this is going to be about eight of them that guys will be able to choose. And then um, we have two daughters. So we had created the year becoming a woman. And so it's also a 12 month program. So that'll be coming later, later next year. You know, those are some of the resources that I've been doing that I've been doing with guys and um, ladies, but now I'm going to put it in a downloadable format for guys to go through with their children. That's all. Every single one of those. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I will be grabbing yeah. one of each. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right. I, some closing, I guess, closing point. You have going from Homer to hero. You, you, you're keeping the heat in the marriage, you know, uh, fatherhood, being a, a husband who's serving from a masculine position. You've got all that men that are looking to align with what you're doing or they're looking to ask questions about how they can replicate or maybe start the process themselves. What closing points do you have for those men who are tuning in and where can they best find you? Best way to find me is going to DM me, DM me um, in my Twitter account, which is trailer club. I can explain that another time where that name comes from, but I just want to encourage guys, grab a book, follow a couple guys on Twitter. Don't just scroll through, follow a few guys. And when they tell you to do something, go and do it. Don't twit, don't scroll to the next person. Just try that. I like you said, Zach. Again, you can try it with Jackie. And it's you, right? You steal an idea, you take an idea, you modify it to your situation. But gentlemen, take one or two ideas and quickly Im implement it. Again, with your kids, again, if I just tell you one or two things to start doing with your kids, start start tucking your kids in every single night. My dad never did that growing up. And I asked him about it. He never even thought about it. His dad never did it with him. My kid is 19 years old. I am still tucking him in the night, which means I just come in there, have a connection with him. Something happens to teenagers around 9 or 10 p.m. Their heart starts to open up. You do not want to miss the 9 or 10 p.m. So keep tucking them in, which means have a connection point with them there in the bedroom. Your sons, your daughters, you know, doing that. Again, with your wife, just decide you're not going to have friction. I'm not going to have that. So if there is a disagreement, we're going to work it out right there. I'm not going to be Mr. Temper Tantrum. I'm not going to be, you know, going to my hole. I'm not going to run away. I'm going to go ahead and control my emotions, and we're going to deal with it right there. Again, if you've been having a woman, you know, roll you over, okay, if you have a strong woman there, uh, you need to work on that, okay? Find a mentor in your life to help you work through that, talk through that. Get a coach. Um, you are responsible for your family. Every single thing in your family, if there is a problem, I'd be looking at you. When there's a problem in my family, I look in the mirror. Man, what, I, what do I got to do differently? What do I got to change? If there's a money problem, what do I got to do with control, spending? Do I got to go make more money? What do I got to figure out? If my kids are engaging in stuff that's wrong, I got to do a better job at filters. I got to do a better job at talking, coaching, listening. It's all on me. If your wife says you need to do more, you probably should say, yeah, I, I do. Don't justify, don't defend, don't throw it back. You probably do. That's what I'm talking about, humility. Go ahead and own your weaknesses and then uh, rise up. Rise up. You can change anytime. If you don't like something in your family, change. 
Don't keep it. I should probably don't just do it. That's my closing thoughts. That was excellent, man. Heath, this has been a great discussion, quite a bit to apply, learn. And again, for those listening or those watching, you know, this, the point of this is not to waste, you know, 47 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever it is. The point is for you to learn something and then apply it to your relationship or to learn something you might not have known. And then to ask, reach out to me, reach out to Heath, ask the follow on to help with your specific situation. That's why we're doing this. Heath, I want to thank you for coming on again. We'll be getting you back on this show. We're also going to be having you on the Oak and Rock Fatherhood show where we're going to talk more fatherhood focused content. But man, just just having this discussion, hearing the example and the, the life that you're living, you know, these are the things that why I want to have these conversations. This is why we do this for people to see, oh, you're not crazy for wanting to have a, a family that's having a good time in a world that's trying to divide the family. Yeah, you're, There's nothing wrong with you. Society can go weird. The world can be dark. Keep the home filled with light, with hope, with connection. Heath's telling you how. I'm telling you how. Make sure you like and subscribe. I've got links to all of Heath's content below. Get on there. Ask him the question if you have it. And again, this is about being involved men, intentional men. And as Heath says, if you're if you're looking to start this thing out, you can go from Homer to hero. You just right. have to start. Yeah. So Heath, thank you for your time. Thank you, Zach. For everybody who tuned in, you guys have a great one. This has been another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Stay well. You've just finished another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. Now go out and apply what you've learned. And be sure to follow Zach on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Small underscore. Also, be sure to check out Zach's work at thefamilyalpha.com and his private men's community, thefraternityofexcellence.com.